another three minute plus episode of Inspirational Word. This is David Randall. Hope everybody is doing fine. Just had a lot of things on my mind. Really, we're going to kind of deviate this time. Get away from the storytelling that you're usually accustomed to when you hear these podcasts. Also, I'm going to try to be a little bit more lively as I do these podcasts. I'm just a kind of calm, easygoing person. So if you listen to the background music and you listen to me, that's just kind of like the way I am. And some people brought it to my attention that I need to be a little bit more upbeat and intentional about these podcasts. And uh, I'm just really comfortable with being me. And maybe I need to just step that up and make a better version of me. I'm always talking about people and working on the next level. I'm always encouraging people to work on the next level. Can't really do that without first working on yourself. So I kind of listen to you guys and got your feedback. And I understand that this thing needs to move at a little faster clip with more interesting. People say they like the stories, but they kind of get lulled to sleep by the way I tell the stories. So I'm going to work on that as uh, we go into this a different segment. This is a different twist for these uh, podcasts. I'm going in a whole different direction. Uh, I, 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 I basically started this thing out by giving stories so that people could be inspired by the stories. But then I realized as I talked to several people that they wanted tools as well. You know, they didn't want to just have to figure it out by themselves based on what they you know, deciphered or what they heard in the story. So I'm going to give you some of the tools that have helped me the most and hopefully they'll help you. And uh, they're going to be some of my own ideas infused into some of the other ideas that I've been introduced to. As you know, as you know, my background is, is the helping professions. I've been a social worker, I'm a counselor, I've been an addiction counselor and uh, various roles of counseling. The majority of my life worked in education and in the public sector and the private sector, working mainly with people. So basically what I am is a human behavior expert. I know all about the behavior of people and I know how to improve that behavior. I know how to create the greatest human potential uh, when I'm working with people. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, that there's some people that no matter what you do, you just can't help. No matter what tools you give them, they, they just won't pick them up and use them. And I understand that. So this this podcast may not be for everyone, but the ones that it is for, I hope you get the best that you can. I'm trying to give you the best that I have, that I know to get. So with that being said, I want to introduce you to one of the, the tools that really helped me, and that is a book called The Choice Theory written by uh, a, a doctor and psychiatrist by the name of William Glasser. You may be familiar with choice theory. You may not be familiar with it. It was uh, actually presented in the mid-90s. And that's an interesting thing because most of my introduction and training in the heaven professions came, professions came earlier than the 90s. And so I was introduced to this kind of late in life. But it's a great tool. I'm going to tell you the whole premise of the choice theory. The whole premise of the choice theory is that we do have a choice. But it's not just as simple as us having a choice. It goes into 
what causes us as individuals to feel as though we don't? Because we're in a controlled environment type of society. We, we were basically brought up and told, you know, how to think instead of, well, you know, what to think instead of how to think. See, that was a classic example. That was a Freudian slip, but it basically was indicating how our minds have been tricked over time into doing things certain ways. We weren't really taught, you know, how to think. We were taught what to think, and that's a controlled environment. This is the what it is. Don't question it. Don't examine it. Don't do research. Just accept it for what it is and move on. Well, the world never changes with that platform. Also, it's a very repressive and suppressive uh, environment. We have one group of people telling another group of people what to do. Uh, individuals controlling the lives of other individuals in a controlled environment without giving them choice. So, of course, that appealed to me from the very beginning. When I first heard that and thought about it, yeah, everybody should have the ability to make a choice in his or her life. Whatever that choice may be, but, you know, whatever consequences may come as a result of that choice, we still should have choices. And so, what Lassa sets forth is because that is the way society is set in place, that many times we become people who control others the same way that we were controlled because that's the only behavior we know. So his whole theory, that's why it's called the choice theory, is that if we started developing within our minds and other people's minds and encouraging other people to have choice, we'd have a freer society. And and that 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 really, really rings true. You know, there might be some things uh, that people do that I don't agree with, but I believe they have the right to do it based on them as an individual, as long as it doesn't impede on me or hinder me in any way, as long as it does not harm me or anyone I love. You know, go to it. I mean, we have situations where you have people who do a lot of self-destructive behavior. What I've learned in self-destructive behavior, people who sabotage their own lives, there's nothing you can do about that because people do what people want to do. They, We are not influencers of other people, no matter how much we'd like to believe we are. When people change, they change because they want to change and it's because of personal experience. That being said, I want to get to the crux of the choice theory. Choice theory basically says that when we realize that we are products of the choices we make, we make better choices. And that, that sounds very simple. And it, it, it's, it's very concrete. But it is true. When we're conscious of the fact that we are products of the choices we make, we make better choices. That's an interesting statement, right? We realize the power of our choices and the consequences of our choices. We're more careful about what we choose to do or not do. But he says for five principles of this theory, and we're just going to deal with those five principles, and we're about getting to the eight-minute mark, almost ten minutes. And I, I never like, like to uh, let these 
podcast go past 10 minutes. So I got two minutes to explain the five pillars. The first is relationships. He says that everybody wants a good relationship or relationships with others. He believes that relationships and the failure to have good relationships is the main reason for mental disorder. I agree with that. And then the second one is survival. Everybody wants a method of survival, some way to make a living. That's a primary concern for everyone. Having good relationships and making a good living is primary in everyone's quality world. He calls that the quality world. Third thing he says is that everyone wants their own personal power, which is very true. Every individual wants to know that they have power over their own life. And the last two was very easy to embrace, fun and freedom. In the next couple of podcasts, we're going to be looking at each one of those components of a quality life, how they apply to the choices you make and how to build your quality world. So let's review them again. The first is relationship. The second is survival. The third is personal power. The fourth is fun, and then the fifth is freedom. So we'll next podcast be dealing with relationships. Should be a blast. I don't know how I'm going to do that in 10 minutes because that's a heavy, heavy subject. But we're going to look at the first pillar of choice, relationships. This is David Randall. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast, learned a little bit along the way, and I'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. Hello, this is David Randall with a continuation of the extended version of the Three Minute Podcast. Welcome back. As you know, on our last podcast, if you've been following the series, I introduce you to The Choice Theory by Dr. William Glasser. In The Choice Theory, we went over some of the principles of The Choice Theory versus uh, some of the things that we come to know as normal in our society, which indeed probably works against us. The Choice Theory is all about the fact that we have the right to make choices and that even though we live in a control-based society where people like to tell you what to think instead of how to think, and people really like to control others, that really, in an ideal world, we have a choice and we are able to execute those choices. And that's the important thing. We're able to execute those choices, and we realize that many times choices come with consequence, so we have to live with the choices that we make. Basically, Dr. Glasser sets forth in his book the principle that our choices really bring us either closer to our quality life. Quality life is the ideal lifestyle that we have in our minds or they take us farther away from those particular things that we desire. Last week, remember, we talked about the five pillars of choice theory. We talked about relationships. We talked about survival. We talked about personal power. We talked about fun, and then we talked about the last but not the least pillar of building a quality world, freedom.
So this particular podcast is dedicated to relationships. Don't know how I'm going to get all of the subject matter, materials, and thoughts and ideas out in a 10-minute podcast about relationships, but I'll do the best I can to give a condensed version of the importance of relationships. Let's just start with the very first premise that Dr. Glasser says. He believes that most mental illnesses or disturbances or stress-oriented things that happen to us in life happen as a result of our relationship with others. I tend to agree. You know, most of the time when you find people who suffer depression or any type of mental disorder, it is because of their relationship with other individuals. Sometimes, you know, it could be the opposite of what we think. It may not be anything about people who are still alive. It may be about someone who's deceased or the impact of a death. But it does normally center around relationships. And the primary relationship that it begins with is the relationship within the immediate family. Our relationships to our parents, our mothers, our fathers, our sisters, our brothers, our siblings, our our relatives, and then our relationship to our friends and associates. And uh, these things can become complicated based on how we're able to interact with other people. And so um, the main thing that comes out of this and why relationships are so important in the choice theory is because that's one of the main areas in which when we have a choice, we really make poor choices in how we deal with our relationships with others. It's, It's a funny thing, you know. Some of the people who give us the most complicated and most trying parts of life are the people who are closest to us. They are our relatives. They are the people that we had no choice about uh, choosing. Basically, life chose them for us by way of circumstance. And so we kind of, for lack of a better word, stuck with them. And as a result of that, you know, we know different people can have different personalities and create conflict. And those conflicts can lead people to all kinds of mental disorder. Sometimes it's necessary in order to maintain one's sanity to separate yourself from others. However, Glasser basically advocates having a more sophisticated way and method of dealing with others. Dealing with them in such a way that their behavior does not impact you. One of his power statements is the only adult behavior that you're responsible for is your own. Once you understand the premise of this, that what other people do, it's not you doing it, it's them doing it. And the main thing that you have to understand is you can't let them do things to you. The only way people can do things to you is when those things affect you. Uh, Short of uh, causing bodily harm or doing something physically to another person, most of these things are mental attacks. They are things done through words, expressions, and attitudes, and, you know, people agitating and creating an uncomfortable environment. 
Sometimes it's it's us though. Sometimes it's the way we perceive other people and the way we act in response to others that creates the conflict. Nevertheless, relationships are important. Now here's the thing. Glassa doesn't say this. This is one of my add-ins to this uh, subject matter. In terms of relationship, I think that's the biggest area in which we do have a personal choice about. We can choose to be with certain people unless we're in a combined or institutionalized environment. And many times we are in the workplace and, and, and on jobs. We're forced to work with our co-workers. I mean, if we want to make a living, right? But we can devise methods by which we can deal with them where they're less intrusive and less impactful in our lives. Now, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of it. There's the, the, the community members and our, our workplace members. But most of the time, when we have severe problems related to relationship, it is going to be individuals who are in our immediate family. There's so many people who just can't get past the hurdles and the mental uh, blocks and the mental uh, anguish that has been placed on them in childhood through their parents or some loved one that was responsible for their well-being. You know, the world is full of people who have been damaged in childhood. And uh, basically what William Glasser said is that a lot of times people don't move beyond that because they don't realize that they have a choice. And I've experienced that on many occasions, talking to different individuals, and the first thing they'll say, well, I didn't have a choice. They felt backed into a corner. They felt there was a one-way out in the situation. What Glasser wants to open up is the possibility of looking at alternatives to what we feel is a hopeless situation in terms of dealing with relationship. So relationship is the first pillar. And... What he gives us as a solution, I believe, is really a jewel. It is one of the most precious things, if you can come to understand, that will really change your life. The very first person that you need to have a good relationship with is yourself. And that's when he talks about, you know, self-love, uh, self-approval, uh, confidence in self and the building of self. Once you do this, you're able to counteract, deal with, uh, and to overcome, you know, the conflicts that are created outside your world, the external world. You're able to deal with that better once you have a balanced understanding of yourself. And I add in a relationship with your creator, knowing that you're created by a higher being. You know, as AA and everybody advocates, even though it may not be a popular stance in this day and time, there's a God. So you need to strengthen your relationship with God and with self. And then start reaching out to the immediate people around you, family members, etc. Now I want to warn you, in this particular pillar, relationships, there are going to be some people that you're not just you're not you're not going to be able to work anything out with. 
There are individuals who are toxic. There are individuals who just are impossible to work with. And you will be able to see those individuals, know those individuals, and make a choice about how you want to deal with those individuals. We'll come back and deal with relationships more. I knew 10 minutes wasn't going to get it all in. But I hope it gives you a beginning of where where we're going. We're going to show you some tools on how to develop relationships, maintain relationships, how to sever relationships, move on beyond relationships to create your quality world. So we're dealing with relationships right now. I would do a relationship part two, but I'll back up and, and offer that subject now so we can move on to the next subject, which will be survival. We're going to go briefly over survival. We'll probably come back to relationship since it is a core value in building your quality world. But I hope I've given you some tools to work with. I hope I've given you something to think about. If nothing else, remember that your primary relationship is with your creator and yourself. If you can do that, then you can begin to make proper choices in dealing with others. This is DC Randall with the three minute plus getting longer podcast. Talk to you all later. Hope you enjoyed this segment. Hi, this is David Randall with another episode of the three minute plus. I might as well say 10 minute inspirational word. Hope you bear with me and I hope you really enjoy these podcasts. It's not my intention when I do these podcasts to be an annoyance or to create a, you know, a distraction, but really to try to bring you something of value. And uh, I've been noticing the way I do it. I do it in a very monotone, conversational type tone, which uh, it loves people to sleep. I guess it's because I just have this calm personality, y'all. Can't help it. I'm that cool, laid-back guy, nonchalant, but that's really who I am. And podcasts, I like because also I'm a communicator. I like to speak, and I like to talk about various subjects. So I'm going to get right to it on this one. This is one of those interesting perspectives on what's going on now. I know we're just really, really overwhelmed with this quarantine situation and it seems like the days we got to stay within the social distancing world is getting longer and longer each time they come out with a new you know uh mandate to say why things can't go back on uh, as normal and i have a different perspective on this because my life uh is different in terms of uh what goes on with this uh, I hear a lot of people who are saying that, you know, America's never gone through this before. This is the first time we've gone through this. But I think my perspective is a little bit different than other people's because what I want to talk about now is the world from a different perspective. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to speak in terms of some things that I know personally that happened in my family that applies to the coronavirus. And uh, it's interesting because I remember hearing the word pandemic. Pandemic is not a new word to me. 
I grew up hearing that word. I grew up hearing that word under some very unusual circumstances. My father, Jesse Randall, was born in 1908. He lost in 1918 his mother and four of his brothers and sisters to the first major plant uh, pandemic in modern time. In 1918, they had the influenza pandemic. It actually resulted uh, toward the end of World War I when the soldiers actually were going to the various countries from which they came and returning to their countries and they had contracted this influenza virus and millions of people were killed and died in 1918. Among them, my grandmother and four of my potential uncles and aunties who were four of my father's brothers and sisters. This thing scarred my father for life. My father was a very good man, a hardworking man, but from time to time you could see a type of uh, sadness and heaviness in his face. And it wasn't explained to me until I was about 12 or 13 that what had happened. It was explained to me by my Aunt Bessie, who was my father's sister, that they had lost four brothers and sisters and their mother to this pandemic. They said the flu influenza, and, and then they called it a pandemic. You know, and pandemic was not a word that was thrown around very easily back then, so I looked it up in the dictionary and found out that it was a worldwide disease. It was a disease that spread around the world, so I was had a very keen awareness of this whole situation and what's going on now at the age of 12. The other thing that added to this particular history for me personally was that I lost my grandfather, my father's father, uh, two years after the mother and the four brothers and sisters died. My, my father was offering, he and uh, four of his other siblings, they were offering, and uh, he had one brother who was older, had to be at the time 16, and that was my Uncle Willie, who basically took the ham of the family after his father died. Actually, my father became an orphan, not an orphan, but parentless at the age of 12. And then he started playing Negro League Baseball at the age of 16, which is a whole nother story. But the pandemic, again, is not anything new to me. And uh, my family had been personally devastated, has been personally devastated by the pandemic years and years ago. But you know what really interests me about this is that this is why it's so important to know history from an oral perspective and why it's so much more pertinent when it's told in story form. This goes back to an old African tradition, an African griot, the storyteller. Basically, the storyteller's function was to maintaining a proper history and an awareness of genealogy and the ancestors and the importance of preserving one's culture. And uh, that's something that we've gotten away from. And a lot of people 
and our generation and younger generations don't know this because we rely on the stories that they tell us in the history books, which are mythological lies. And the more you live in America, the more you do the research, you'll find that most of what has been fed to us is a lot of propaganda, a lot of things that we were made to believe that were not true. You know, as an African-American, most definitely I know that because there's so much of our history that has been hidden and so much has been misrepresented about who my people are. I cannot have any faith in what the system teaches me in terms of so-called history. This particular part of history I know firsthand because I heard it from my father and his brothers and sisters And so I know about the pandemic of 1918. It's important that we relate family stories to our our children. Uh, And almost all cultures do that. They have storytelling tradition where there are things that are told to family members to preserve the memories of those going on. I never will forget one time I had an Uber ride, a young man from New York. I took him to a grave, a cemetery here in Dallas because he was in Dallas and he wanted to pay homage to his uh, his uh, grandfathers and, and great-grandfathers. As a matter of fact, they were buried here in a cemetery here in a Jewish cemetery here in Dallas. And I noticed the ritual that he went through. At each end of this Jewish cemetery, there was a wash basin he and several other people were visiting, you know, uh, grave sites of their loved ones, and they would go to the end of that row and wash their hands, and then they would bow in a certain amount of bow uh, to commemorate each and every one of those individuals who were responsible for helping to bring them into the world. And getting back to the story of the pandemic and what's going on today and the importance of understanding history in its proper perspective. Remember I said that 1914 was when World War I broke out. 1918 is when we had the pandemic as a result of the end of World War I and the soldiers basically spreading the influenza virus throughout the world. The interesting thing was after that pandemic ended in 1918, it actually lasted for a period of about five years. and a lot of people died. The very next thing was we went through the Great Depression. The Great Depression happened in 1929. And it lasted. And we don't, a lot of people don't realize that the Great Depression lasted for over 10 years. 1929 to 1939, we were just coming out of the Depression under the leadership of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And so we see how one ties into the other. You see how this corona pandemic has has impacted Wall Street and business, basically shutting business down around the world. And it's it's a repeat. It's a repeat of something that indeed the world has seen before, contrary to what a lot of people say when they come up to me that this has never happened before. 
And if you really do the research and you listen very carefully, you'll find that there are a lot of things like this in the history of the world and in the history of America where basically from time to time things happen that have happened before but they present themselves in a totally different way but it's the same thing happening again and I think that the challenge for us is that each one of these things that happen should bring us to a point where we have a better understanding of who we are as humans and our responsibilities to each other and how we indeed must work together to make the world a better place in order to maintain and sustain it or we're going to self-destruct. And I'm not saying that from the aspect that I believe that this whole theory about somebody created the coronavirus, nah, not going in that direction at all. I'm just saying that from time to time, things happen in, in, in the course of history that makes mankind stop and have to reflect about the direction in which he's taking. And this just might be one of those times just wanted to tell you that story because there's a lot of people who never knew about the the pandemic outbreak of 1918. Side note, my father and mother also were products of the, the Great Depression. They both lived through the Depression era. era. And, and that's the thing. So they had a different type of resilience built into them. They had gone through some hardships and some sufferings that I never know. I never knew, never know, even to this very day. This probably is one of the most severe crises I've seen. Even though I'm a child of the 60s and I went through the 60s struggle, I was an activist in the 60s. I've seen the... uh, miscarriage of justice in this country seeing a lot of things happen in this country that I personally know were crimes against humanity I've seen riots actually participated in a couple of riots um, and civil disturbances um gone through it all and at this stage I'm thinking to myself that um, as my mother said this too shall pass and that came from somebody who was born in the same year that the first influenza pandemic occurred 1918 my mom was born in 1918 my father was born in 1908. My mother was 10 years younger than my father, but they both experienced some of the same things in the Great Depression. And uh, I wanted to give you that perspective on this coronavirus thing to let you know that as the Bible says, nothing new is under the sun, nothing is new under the sun. We've been through this before. And as my mother said, this too shall pass.
Where do we begin? We always begin at the beginning. But have you ever wondered where the beginning actually began? What comes before is so much more important than what presently is. Knowing how one arrived at the particular place that they are can really be the difference in who they are. This has been the case with the African American man ever since he began his sojourn here in this foreign land. Identities stripped, reconstructed to fit the mold of another man. The scar of this has remained with me and my people throughout our existence in this country. Who are we? What is our significance in this world? Some of us know. Far too many of us have no idea. This also breaks down to the individual level. Goes far beyond the collective as an ethnic group. Into the individual as a person. Knowing who you are is the first step towards knowing what it is you were created to do. It is my belief that every individual is created for a specific purpose and serves a purpose here on earth. Some to make it better and yes, there are others whose sole purpose is to create havoc and make our existence worse. Within these two polarities lies man's greatest dilemma. Good over evil. It is my belief that every person has a little bit of both in them. And I believe it is the choices that they make that determines how they use the knowledge of who they are. Sometimes that choice can come down to not allowing others to manipulate you into being something other than what you are. comes down to claiming your mind 
understanding your relationship with your creator and not be afraid of being self-defining and not being afraid of being an individual. Remember, at all times that God made you to be who you are. And it's one of my favorite recording artists, Sly Stone would say, indeed, everybody is a star.